Welcome to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants, practitioner to practitioner conversations to inspire, mentor and learn from. Hello, this is Angela Carroll and today I am with Emma Sutherland in her beautiful practice in Sydney. Emma is a highly successful and passionate Sydney naturopath and author. Emma has recently opened a purpose-built clinic focusing on mums and community with a community space. Emma builds success with branding and generously mentors new practitioners and students, effectively nurturing and encouraging high industry standards of practice. Join us today for a fun and generous insight into Emma's practice. Thanks for your time today, Emma. It's uh, really lovely to be here with you, and it's so nice to see you practice. I've met you through when you were doing VLA, mm-hmm. the training, and Correct. now actually to see where Emma lives. <laughs> I do almost live here these days. <laughs> it's really, it's really exciting to actually be able to go and see practitioners where they're at and what they're doing. And so I'm really, really uh, intrigued. I came here initially with the focus for you of looking at the community room and what you do in there and how that works. But since talking to you, going on a tour of your beautiful clinic, I've got all these other ideas, all these other things that I think are so exciting and so valuable for other practitioners to listen to. So I think we might sort of look at some of those things with, well, this is, you said four months you've been here? Yeah, we opened in November 22nd. Yep. Oh, wow. So early days, early days, but um, very exciting as well at the same time. So we might have a chat about how, um, you know, starting in a new premises, because you're not a new practitioner, so it's not a startup startup, but it's a new practitioner premises. So we might have a chat about that and how you actually got to be here and see the need for a community room, the value that it brings. Mm. Um, And you're also an author. I've got your beautiful book sitting here on my desk. When I say beautiful, I'm not overusing the word at Mm. all. Um, I've walked into Emma's office and I just had to talk about your bookcase. (laughs) Emma's bookcase is it's the one whole wall with four white beautiful clean white bookcases standing up and on every shelf all the books are coordinated into color so there is even like shades so the greens are in different shades the blues are in different shades so there's a dark blue section and there's a teal section and there's an ocean blue section and there's sunshine yellow section there's an orange section and then when I look at your book your book's got these bright, vibrant colours as well. So, mm. you know, I, I can see that across the board. It's almost like a branding, you know. Now now when I see colours like this, I'm going to think Emma Sutherland. Yeah, yeah, really <laughs> vibrant, really um, alive kind of colours. Yeah. yeah, they are. And then when you walk into the clinic, though, white, clean, quiet, peaceful tones and then just this signature mauve or do you got lilac yeah well it's 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 so many different colors of purple but purple has long been my ever most favorite anyone that knows me well knows that purple is my favorite all-time color um so splashes of mauve yeah yeah it's just it's just really peaceful to be in here Mm. it's really it's got a good energy oh Mm. absolutely absolutely Mm. so i can see why you've taken the space and Mm. moved in so let's um have a chat then about about why you moved in here the process of, of being here and um, the uh, what would we call it the 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 reason the what do they call it raison d'etre the reason yeah the purpose of being yeah look I always wanted to create a space um, that was a community focus and that was really keyed towards women 
and also mums and their families because I feel like those those two demographics, um, you know, they are our key demographic for a starter, so it's a good business um, decision. But as a mother myself, you know, I really wanted to cater for um, mums in a way that made them feel really comfortable. So how often as a mum would you go to an appointment somewhere and, you know, you're watching and on edge because your child is, you know, running around, you're scared they're going to knock something over or break something. So I wanted to create somewhere where a mum could walk in and feel immediately relaxed because we have this whole kids play area um and it's turned out so good that the poor kids they cry when they leave now (laughs) it's so sad for the kids but but at least we know that the kids just adore the play area with their with the tent and all the wonderful toys and mum actually gets to relax yeah because it's about her yeah but that's actually really really um valuable that you said that being about her because that was my overwhelming impression being here just for a little while the clinic called studio you it's not about it's really giving a really generous uh, feel so that when you walk in the door here the rest of the world's outside because it's it's all muted and you can't see the rest of the world uh, and it's very much it makes me feel that I can just be me here I can say what I need to say mm. and I'm in a, a protected environment so if my child is running around like a mad thing outside there that's okay because that's within the permission of the clinic. Definitely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it, it is about creating, when you walk in the door, my brief was that I wanted that person to unconsciously exhale and forget about what they just left behind them and to be 100% present with themselves, yep. to be out of focus on themselves. Yep. And it's interesting because people do actually walk in the door and you see them sort of stop and just take a moment and it's almost this unconscious thing that happens with nearly everybody that comes for the first time. Um, so I think we do, we have successfully created Studio U in that way. You know, it's really tangible when you walk in. Yeah, definitely commend you on that because mm, you've obviously you. had the, the vision of what you wanted and it's absolutely manifested beautifully. Yeah, yeah, the vision yeah. was very strong though. It was really <laughs> strong. I knew exactly what I wanted to create so I was kind of lucky in that way. Yeah, absolutely. So four months in, you said you're working long hours. Yeah, I am working long hours and I think, um, you know, I feel, I f- it sounds cheesy, but I feel really honoured to be able to work such long hours. I do literally walk in the door every time I come to work and feel so happy and so grateful. And I think when you have a passion for what you do, it's not work, it's not a job, it's more like a vocation, a calling where you just love it. And it's not difficult. And yes, I might be working a lot of hours and yes, you know, I'm probably not getting enough sleep and all that kind of stuff, but... At the same time, it's really joyful to be able to do that. So I think, to me, that comes back to you have to have a real passion for this because Mm. it's not easy and the days can be long and it can be really tricky in this line of business. So you have to have that passion. That's like my number one thing when, when, you know, students ask me, it's like, if you've got passion, you'll make it, but you've got to have that passion. hundred percent agree with that. And Mm. the passion means that you're not exhausted at the end of the day. No. It means you come home and you're energized. You've got more vitality to share with your family and your friends and anybody else that needs it. Absolutely. If I have a quiet day in clinic, which is really unusual, but if for whatever reason, you know, patients reschedule or what have you, I go home and I feel tired. 
Mm. Whereas if I have 12, 15 patients, I go home and I'm like, yep, great day. You know, <laughs> it really, really is evident for me. Yeah. 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 And, and they've also, that's 12, 15 people that probably have walked out the door feeling yeah. similarly. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. It's spreading the love, Anne. That's it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so community centre. Yeah. Look, Tell me about that. I think... Um, Look, I'm a, a solo mum. So when I had my daughter, I have a an amazing tribe of friends around me. Um, my family live in Melbourne and then in Greece. Um, I've got my brother here in Sydney, but he's busy. He's got a family. Um, and, and I just really, it really hit me in the heart about how we don't have that sense of our community or tribe with our family groups anymore yeah. that we tend to have to outsource that and whether we outsource that to our friends or to our um, you know place of worship or whatever it might be we tend to outsource that community need and so that's why I wanted to create a place where people could come and have that sense of community and know that if if we can't help them we've got somebody that can you know and we've got a really strong referral network um and i and i really feel like it's important to give back a little bit as well um so that's why i i when we did the renovation um, my builder said to me you know this room could be three consultation rooms and i said no i just want to keep it one big open space because i've always wanted a community room where we could run workshops we could run events we could really open up the amount of services that we could offer as well and so it's people close by you clientele base and so forth that come in do they is there something that happens as a result of being in that community room does that facilitate friendship formation does it, is there other stuff that goes on or it's focused around the clinic and knowledge and at this stage it's focused around the clinic um before i set up this clinic i always did an online community cleanse so twice a year we did a month-long cleanse and that was really this you know development of this amazing online community which was like a, a tribe of you know wellness warriors basically and that sense of community is something that I want to bring into its physical form in this clinic. So we're working at the moment on building that and we're about to launch our um, members program in two weeks. Um, And that will include a lot of on-site activities and, um, yeah, bringing it all together into one one space. So when you say on-site activities? Yeah. What do you mean by that? So we do every second Thursday, we do what's called a P30 or a Power 30. So it's a free event that we open up to the community and our database. And it's literally where we will take a topic, we'll do a deep dive into the research, we'll then combine that with our clinical skills and then it's literally a one piece of paper take home this is what you need to know about this topic and we keep it practical like we did one um two weeks ago on um, kids immunity and so we made the jelly vitamins that you know we make for our kids as practitioners we made you know the um you know we got them to taste and try everything because then we know that when we ask our patients to do Mm. things they've got full confidence in how to do it yeah and that it's actually not that hard. 
it's fun. And it's fun, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So bringing those, um, bring those events to the front of the community focus. Um, we're bringing in experts from the local community that they will then present a Power Thirty. So we've got um, a sleep expert coming in, we've got a parenting expert coming in. So really thinking about what do our demographic need to know, yeah. and if we don't know it, let's go find an expert we can bring in yeah. that we can invite to one of our events and you know, then, and these events are free. It's like, just come along. We just want to kind of help you and disseminate information that's okay. actually good and not from Dr. Google. <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the room capacity? How many people are you? Uh, 30 people. Okay. We can sit 30 that's people. Nice. Mm. Yeah. So I imagine that as that grows, as the word gets out, you'll be booked out with that you'll be booked in advance definitely so you can that's the process you book in for them um but the model is very much that we'll take it online and live once we reach capacity okay physically so how will that will you video it is that yep. what you mean and then yep. put it out there yeah exactly okay that's brilliant i know brilliant. yeah and look with technology as it is that's not that hard to do these days no mm. no not at all and, and people want that you know, exactly uh, I think also in our industry, it's, it's wonderful to be able to attract people to you and have people coming into your practice and helping one-on-one, mm. -on -one, but there is a large portion of people who just won't go that next stage and come in. No. How can you facilitate those? How can you help those people? Exactly. Um, to have more awareness. And at some stage, if they've got that from you and they've learned some great information, they'll start following. And, and at one yeah. stage when they're really ready, then they come in. Exactly. That's mm. right. And, and I think by opening it up to being online you also um, increase the capacity for your brand awareness to to get bigger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, brand awareness, can we touch on that? Yeah, just sure. A little yeah. bit because uh, really in this industry, people, there's a, not people, sorry, that's a, a generalisation. There's a lot of people who are either uncomfortable with marketing, whether it's uncomfortable mm. putting themselves out there mm. or they just don't, they see that as being too showy, too in the face. Uh, people will find me if they need me, that kind yeah. of thinking. And um, I have a different opinion on that. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I think that you, uh, I'm a huge believer in, in branding. Um, there is there is nothing that kind of leaves my office without branding on it. Um, our cups have uh, our logo stamped on it. Our bags have our logo stamped on it. We have the logo everywhere. Um, we very much, um, it, it is about what do people recognize when they see that logo? And it's not about what they consciously think. To me, it's more about what they unconsciously feel. So when they see that logo, do they unconsciously feel that there is nurturing involved in that logo or well-being or health or vitality? You know, what are the words that actually unconsciously they're saying to themselves? Mm. Um, that's, that's the power of a brand is that feeling. So what you're doing is you're linking Studio U, your branding that you're doing with the new building, the new premises. Mm. To an emotion. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a, a book written by, uh, he's now the ex-CEO of Saatchi and Saatchi mm. called Love Marks. Have oh, you read it? yes. I just saw his TED Talk last week. Oh, did yes. you? Yes. Yes. And it's a beautiful great book. website too. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's uh, it's a hard, get the hard copy. Okay. And it's magnificent. It's so perfectly laid out. I mean, they add people, so they mm. know how to lay these things yeah. out. Yeah. It's the presentation is magnificent, but this whole thing of your marketing, that branding, 
becomes what's known as a love mark. Mm. So you you have an association with it. So when you know people talk about coming into your practice and belonging to you're talking about membership, which I want to yeah. touch on, talking about being a member here and and. They, their passion, that same passion, comes through when they talk to their friends about it. Oh my yeah. God, I've just been down into Studio U today and I had this wonderful experience with my practitioner and look at this, even her little cups have got an SY on them, they've got this mm. lavender on them. And so they take that passion from here to the next person yeah. and that then is just a brilliant way of... Well, it's kind of free marketing too, right? Yeah. It's free marketing. And before I opened this clinic, I always do my research and I worked out that 84% of my um, new clients were from word of mouth. Yeah. And so I recognized that that branding was even more important because people need to recognize the brand that has them speaking so positively. They have to be able to link it back and say, hey, yeah, just go to Studio U, the girl's awesome there. Yeah. Um, that's what made me realize that, you know, that it, for, for all the marketing and all the advertising, all the money I could have spent, I was very careful about where to spend it and it was on brand. Well done. Mm. You've done a great job with it. Really, really have. Mm. I think I, well, I hope, I hope that we're going to see more of that. I hope we're going to see more of that going through because our patients, particularly we're getting down into the younger demographics, they're going to be expecting that because that's what's in the media. Exactly. They've grown up with Nike and, Mm. uh, dare I say, McDonald's. It's the first brand I could think of. Yeah. But they've grown up with this allegiance to branding. Yeah. And why not? Why not utilize that in your own practice? Exactly, that's right. And you know, the the for me, the power of one good word from a patient to a prospective patient is worth way more than I could ever put money on. Yeah. And knowing that eighty four percent of my patients come from that is really powerful. So it is about uh, you know recognizing that, acknowledging it, and and rewarding it yeah. essentially. I imagine too when you have somebody, an expert, come in and do your P30, yeah, that they have a similar experience that they take out to, to their tribe. Absolutely, that's exactly right. Because we open it up to whoever wants to come. You just got a book, so whether it's from their tribe, my tribe, you know, whatever it might be, or we do a bit of a, a joint venture on, you know, marketing via Instagram or um, Facebook. That then we're kind of doubling our presence as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you're getting uh, what they call third-party validation. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Is... An expert by default, you yeah, know. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you do with the people that come here? The experts come and talk in your community centre. Mm. Do you go out and do talks in their their with their people? That's what we're working on at the moment is yeah. building up their our relationships with mm. other businesses that are aligned with us but not competitive with us and fostering those strategic sort of partnerships so that's one of the key things that I'm working on at the moment behind the scenes so yeah and that's that's exciting I like that I mean it's a little bit dry compared to clinical work face to face but it can be really quite rewarding too Mm -hmm. because it's about looking at local businesses and going well how could I value add to their service um, and give their tribe more without um, costing them time and money yeah absolutely I think by the sound of it to me you're very systems focused as as I would hope I could be even more systems focused. Do you do a marketing strategy at the beginning of your year? Do you do anything where you go, okay, here's my big picture, this is where I'm going to target my marketing? Yeah. 
do you, do you utilize one? No. Um, it's really interesting because I am really systems focused and I'm one of those people that, that needs structure and I work really well in that way. Um, but when the, the concept of, you know, marketing, okay, what are we going to do? I've got all of these sort of sub products and sub services that we are slowly launching under the Studio U umbrella. Yeah. So for me, one of the other things about creating Studio U was that all the fragmented parts of my um of my career I could bring under one umbrella so we are slowly building those things in like we've rebranded community cleanse to studio you cleanse now Um, and the member program is getting rebranded and everything is coming in under one so when it comes to marketing strategy um, I think to be honest it just fell by the wayside in keeping the wheels turning Um, but we definitely have small marketing programs constantly going so for One of my favorites is what I call the practitioner of the week. So we've got a spreadsheet and every week of the year um, we have either a practitioner of the week or we have a a down week where nothing too much happens. But in that practitioner of the week, um, what happens is they take over social media, they write a blog, they do all the Instagram, Facebook posts, and then they do the Power 30 on the same topic. So we have a theme that runs through across all platforms that is really focused. Um, rather than just disseminating great but irrelevant information, yeah. we will tie it under topics. Okay. And we're finding that that works really well. Okay. So it sounds like you have a strategy, but it's not formalized Correct. in a document. That's right. I would yeah. 100% agree with you. <laughs> the reason I'm asking with that is because uh, for a lot of practitioners, their marketing, if they do any at all, is very ad hoc. Yeah, okay. And there isn't a structure to it. So you are structured with the way that you do it. It's just Definitely. not formalised. I'm wanting to work more this year on helping practitioners to understand what a marketing strategy is, the mm. value of actually mm. having one. So even if you do it for a couple of years in the formalised process, yeah, you'll learn what you need to be doing and how you do it. And it might not be formalised in years to come. But yeah. you know, initially as a starting block particularly for those who are not comfortable with marketing. Absolutely. it's just gold. Yeah, mm. yeah. Being able to test and measure things means that down the track, if you have X amount of time or X amount of money, you know where to put those resources. 100%. So, it, it, uh, yeah, I think definitely save you time and money in the long run. Yeah, great. Moving from your other business to here, can we talk about what your other business was like and where you got to, why why you needed to make the jump across to here mm. and what your life was like before here yeah. compared to being in here I now. I feel like it's far more streamlined now. Um, so before I was doing this, I was practising from another clinic with most of my time, then I was practicing from another clinic for a small amount of time. Yeah. And I was doing a lot of Skype consultations from home. So I was always, I mean, I'm the kind of person that likes 20 things on at once. And I've always worked in two different clinics, if not three. Um, but it came to a point where I needed to simplify things as well for myself. And I think I was starting to feel a little bit exhausted at constantly having a different environment and not being able to just have everything in one place and I started feeling like my mind was quite fractured and I wasn't um, performing as well as what I should have Um, and and being able to streamline it all means that I just have this 
calmness now about me and I feel like, hey, you know what? I only have to focus on one thing now. That's it. Did that fracturedness flow through into or, you know, being split between three, did Mm. that flow through into patient outcomes, um, compliance, uh, bookings, anything in order to notice? I would see it in bookings. I would absolutely see it in bookings. And it's that's where the energy of what we do really plays out. And and I would be consciously thinking, you know, oh, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then you know, you'd have a day where people would just really reschedule and you, you just gaps would open up and you'd be thinking, what on earth is going on here? And then I'd sit and I'd be like, you just need some rest. You just need to not be in front of patients today. Yeah. Um, and I would listen to it. I'd be frustrated. I'd resist it. And then I'd just kind of get a bit pissed off about it. <laughs> and then I'd just ignore it and keep going. And then repeat the cycle and repeat the cycle. And then, you know, eventually enough times it happens that you just think, okay, what I'm doing, the way I'm doing things is not giving me the result I want. So how about I change the way I do things? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I'm sorry you went through that. It's necessary. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because I have, I've, strongly believe the same thing happens mm. you know we're energetic beings mm. we, we attract only what we can put out there so if you can't if you put out something that's fractured yeah. you're only going to get fractures back yeah so often in the industry practitioners particularly in the early days while they're trying to set up mm. they, they rent a room in one clinic here and they have a couple of days there and they think if they can go to the other part of the city they'll get some more people on that side yeah. so, they, so you've got travel time you've got dispensary differences you've got you know some days how do you know which clinic you're going to be in yeah. your appointments are like and if you're distracted or fractured, you drive all the way across town to go to this clinic and your patients have cancelled. Yeah. So I, I do think that there's a lot of value in people understanding the energetics of how we practice. Absolutely. And knowing that a stable base is a is a safer place. And, and yeah. I think you, you get busier faster. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I have been busy for quite a quite a long time now regardless but I feel like now I've slightly changed the structure of how I do things to slightly slow down my day so the flow feels a lot better yeah a lot easier for me so you'll notice here that we don't have a physical receptionist yeah so when I was looking at okay I want to create my own clinic what do I want it to look like I've got a really kind of focused business brain as well. And it's it's always about, okay, I need to look at the bottom line from the before I even think about anything else. And I thought, okay, all right, how can I lower my overheads? Okay, let's just not have a receptionist. And it was a pretty radical consideration um, because it's a very different model. Um, I spent last year studying with Chris Cresser um, and I did his um, business course, well, not his, but his affiliates called Evergreen with Keith Reese. And it just opened up my eyes to, you know what, sometimes there are different ways of doing things. Yeah. Let's just give it a go. Yeah. And so I started telling people what my plans were and I was met with a lot of people saying, oh, that is not going to work or how is that, what... But four months down the track, I mean, I'm open to change, but I think it's working. Mm -hmm. And I guess we need more time to assess it properly, like, you know, over time. But um, I am a big believer in systems. 
getting things online simplifying and automating things so that's what we've done we've just automated and simplified and um, changed the way our patients experiences yeah I have asked practitioners when we do best practice Mm. okay how many of you've got a receptionist and I would say maybe a third to 40 may may max 50 percent but it's definitely not the majority of people who have a receptionist Mm. And I very much I think that's due to cost. Yeah. And I know that for a lot of people, they think, oh, my God, I'm successful now. I'm finally able to afford a, a practitioner, a, a, you know, a receptionist. Yeah. I can get somebody to come in. Um, but it just has to be right for you, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And every clinic I've worked in always had a receptionist, if not two receptionists working mm-hmm. um, at, at the time. So the model that I had um, experienced all through my clinical practice was with a receptionist. So, um, so it was a it's, leap of faith for you then. <laughs> yeah, but I was pretty sure it was going to work um, because it, it's about um, changing the patient experience so that they have to take a bit more responsibility for themselves. So they have to make sure that if, you know, if they're not booked in, they jump in and they use the online system and they book themselves in. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a virtual receptionist in business hours. So if you ring them up, they will answer us if they're here. Yeah. Um, but there's nobody to handhold you. There's nobody that's going to, um, you know, babysit you along the way. It's up to you. So it's a bit of pushback from me with patients as well of, okay, you know, here's the boundary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got to meet me halfway as well. So how does that work then? So you have a, a practice management system, a PMS. Yes. And yes. Do you, who do you use? I use Clinico. Okay. A vast majority of practitioners use Yeah, because they're so user-friendly and yeah. it's very easy to use and their um, support system is awesome. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the two the two that most people seem to use is Clinico and Katoomba. Yeah. That's what I hear most yeah. out there from practitioners. So that does your bookings. It does analytics too, doesn't it? It, it does basic analytics. Mm-hmm. So with the reporting, um, it's enough for us at the moment. I've talked to my bookkeeper and we've got some other reports that we will start doing, but once we kind of you know get the clinic busier as a whole but yeah it does basic reporting yeah so the the patients book in through clinico online and then i noticed can i share your door yeah of course absolutely on the front door there's you there's a, a lock and you can't just come into the clinic off the street it's a street front door uh, and then there's a little lovely little note on the front and there's this, a code that has been sent to you with your bookings and so you enter that code in to actually come into the clinic so then that would prevent people just walking in the door with inquiries and those sorts of things Correct. So if they want you they just jump online find you because that's right the websites right on the front most people have a website or have a phone that's they're correct and if they're curious they can jump on from outside the window yeah and we've got it. business cards on the doors we've got brochures on the doors yep. the branding from the outside is so obvious yep. the website phone number everything is there yep. um and it also the the feedback from my clients has also been that they feel like they're quite exclusive they get this yeah, little it's a club clo- yeah which is fits in well with that community mm. aspect and they actually which i'd never really thought about before mm. we set up the system mm. but that's also been the feedback which is kind of nice yeah it is it is really mm. nice because I remember um, when my own practice I was on a, on a you know busy when I say busy street it was a community street and you're in with a patient and we didn't have a receptionist either yeah 
poverty regions <laughs> in the early days. And I just remember, you know, the front door ding, ding, and it opened, and you'd be like, oh, I've got to go out the front again. You know, it's that distractibility. Yes. And even if you weren't committed to going out the front, you were distracted. Absolutely. Yeah, um, that's right. And we've even got a doorbell that's here. It was here when we took over the building. Work. It doesn't work. Oh, yeah, we've got to put a little note on there. Please don't ring the doorbell. It doesn't work. <laughs> It's just a great, it's a great system. Um, so just furthermore on, on the clinic side of things, so going from where you were in the three different practices, mm. uh, you've consolidated yourself now. You've got a, a magnificently, you know, the clinic's just beautiful. Mm. And I think I just want to stay here for the rest of the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the community centre's here that is it's got a, a, a picture of growth coming. Definitely. What also intrigued me is you seem to have a mentoring process with practitioners. Yeah, and it's something that I have been doing for quite a number of years. Um, and, you know, that's actually how you know, two of the, the team that currently are working at Studio U came about to work on the team because they had been um, mentees with me. Um, but I was lucky enough to be mentored mm-hmm. and 15 years ago, it was very unusual. Um, but I mentored with um, John Maguire, who's an amazing naturopath in, in Sydney CBD. And I would sit in with him for, you know, one to two days a week for 12 months. And I found that a really, well, it, it was at the end of that, I was like, okay, yeah, when can I start? Yeah. And I felt ready. Yeah. So I do a lot of um, mentoring in as far as, uh, people can come in two ways to do it they either um, come in and they sit in and do clinical observation hours with me which is you know what am is doing when you came today um, or there's private supervision which I do um, with a lot of practitioners as well so if they're stuck on the business side of things or they're stuck on cases um, they just book an hour and then it's it's go hard, go fast, deep dive yeah. hold on to your seat you know yeah. and that's, yeah. that's a paid hour that's right right yeah that's really good so how, let's say, for example, then somebody's listening to this, practitioner's listening to this, and they yeah. think, oh, I'd love a bit of mentoring. Mm. Uh, is, is that something you're open to? or? Yeah, definitely. So um, we have uh, a couple of options. We have an exchange program kind of I, you know, thing where you can either come in and do um, clinical hours and then in exchange you will do some research, write some blogs, um, you, know, you will do that side of things. Um, in equivalent hours Um, or you can come in and do paid clinical hours or you can do supervision of one hour which is a paid hour and you know whether it's business development case supervision whatever it might be so there's various entry points for people um, and and you know it's really about what I see it's the proactive ones that email me randomly and say hey I'm I would like a bit more and I'm like you know what good on you for reaching out and you know this is what's available and these are your options so yeah when you say paid observation hours yeah paying you or you're paying them no i'm uh, they're paying me (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay great then from that i imagine that allows you to pick cherry pick if you like yeah. practitioners to work in your clinic yeah absolutely and and the practitioners that are here now they were interns with me so they came and sat every Friday or every Saturday for a period of probably 12 months and then they worked behind the scenes on business stuff with me so whether it was you know moderating things on community clans whether it was writing articles whatever I needed help with they would jump in and do 
wonderful. Mm. So it's a win-win situation. It's a, oh, it's definitely. a 100% win-win, which is why there's no cash exchange yeah. because it's a, it's a time and a values exchange. Yeah. I can see the benefit to you in there. I would say sitting on the outside and listening to that, I think that the mentees, the people that come and do the time with you, they actually probably get a greater benefit than than you do and I, I, I that's that's just by the fact that they're so new and so fresh oh, and you've got no. so much experience yeah but I, I think, think that it's brilliant I think it's just so generous of you to do that yeah uh, I just most of the girls that come and it is mainly girls sorry any boys that might be listening but um <laughs> it is mainly girls one thing that most of them say after their time here is that they feel so much more prepared for the reality of practice practice now Um, and I think that that's really important because you can't learn that in a textbook Um, and you know you know even Anne saying this morning you know one thing that she's really kind of soaked up is how systems orientated and how efficient time-wise I am in clinical practice so she's now walking away with some really great ideas on how she can implement similar strategies and be one step ahead of the game. Absolutely and I, I think two two things from what you're just saying is that one um, just going back to you know picking the staff to work here is so frequently I hear from practitioners I can't get good staff I can't get people that are aligned well here they've gone through a trial they have obviously the same values yeah they see things the same way they believe the same way they're passionate in the same Mm. way yeah absolutely you know and and the and by the end of that that experience the girls also know exactly how I work and so they are you know literally trained up on my method which is what I want the, the clinical practice, like every practitioner has the same um, set of values and the same goals treatment-wise and that we're functional medicine-based and that we consult and liaise with other healthcare practitioners. All those values that mm-hmm. I feel are important, they all now have. And they're more likely to stay with you. Yeah. For a long time. Oh, absolutely. Mm. And it's kind of like family. Yeah, yeah. It becomes like my second family. And, and it, it builds stability. Yeah. In the, in the practice. And, and your patients recognise that. You Definitely. Know, they don't want to go into a practice where there's different staff. No, no, no. And, you know, one of the other things from my point of view is that I... I am probably too busy clinically. What I ideally would like to do would be, we have a four-step um, consultation process, is, you know, do the initial send the patient for testing with one of the girls, come back, do the report of findings with me, maybe see me for one more, and then to be able to then be handed over so that I could do more of that front end and then the girls could do more of the um, accountability and protocol management because we do supervision behind the scenes anyway. So if there's anything that comes up with a case, I'm pretty much working on it from behind the scenes. So... The other thing I wanted to say, because I do want to come back yeah. to what you were just saying then, the other thing I was going to say is that having that mentoring process with people coming through, they see how, and they're prepared, ready to go out into mm-hmm. the, the big, wide, nasty world at sometimes, is it lifts the standard of the industry. So they're coming yeah. out with a much higher standard of practice mm-hmm. than you get any chance of coming from, from the college. Absolutely. So congratulations to you for doing that as oh, well. Thank you. But I do, I'm, I do want to go back to just where we were yeah. with the... Uh, way that you're practicing and it's something I was talking about at best practice um, mm. a few years ago where 
you've got a primary practitioner and you've got junior practitioners. Yeah. And the one of the pitfalls of being in practice on your own is that when people only know you they don't want to go to another practitioner yeah. they've had a good experience how do you grow your practice if you've got new people coming in yeah new, you know new practitioners coming in you've got to go and see this new person well I don't want to see that other person I want to see you yeah, yeah. and so they, you get the drop off because they feel that they've been abandoned almost yeah but if you've got a structure in the practice where it's the primary practitioner and then passing over mm. to the juniors. I think that that's a great model. I think it's um, it's one that could be tricky because it's not a standard model of practice yeah. um, where we know our patients get very attached to us. But I think that if you move them off your attachment quite quickly, then that's feasible. Yeah. That's totally feasible. So with your structured approach in practice, mm. I'm envisaging, because you mentioned a uh, Report of findings yeah. that patients get. So in there, you have a treatment plan yeah. outline already. Yeah. So from there, that's where, with that treatment plan that you've devised specifically yeah. for that special patient, mm-hmm. they go through then to one of your junior. Or they probably see me for the first kind of follow up and then move across. Okay. Um, so it's been interesting because we've been here four months. So this new model of practice that I, I was like, yep, this is how we practice at Studio U. I've realized that it's taking time for that to roll out because we've got to wait for, well, patients that are really new to me and haven't been told. Um, you've got to kind of, when you're transitioning from one system across to another, it's it's you've got to watch it because I've got many very favorite clients yeah. and they'll have told their sister hey go and yeah. see em she'll sort out your periods and all they want is just to come in talk about their periods get their periods sorted and go so you've got to sort of pick who you're going to roll this whole new system yeah. out with um but it is slowly rolling out and yeah. that's really exciting to me because yeah. i feel then we can help so many more people yeah absolutely and it will be a lot easier yeah. for everybody yep so you're providing the direction the the insight, the the years of knowledge and, mm. and skill set that you have, then when your junior practitioners are getting those patients coming through, they're actually learning from the top down and going, yeah. oh, look how that works and, oh, wow, that unfolds this way and look at these amazing results. Yeah. Do those uh, patients then at any stage come back to see you for a reassessment appointment or a checkup at any stage? Hopefully not. Hopefully they just <laughs> stay with my associates. Yeah. That's the goal, that they would just then stay with the associate. Yeah. And really it's just if there's any trouble with anything in that case then you know we have meetings and we sit down and we go okay this has happened maybe we could try brainstorm and and let's try that approach or what have you but we'd work on that behind the scenes rather than me go back and see the patient yeah yeah, yeah. and do the new the younger staff your junior staff do they have much to do with the community side of things yeah they're all we're all involved like they run um, their P30s, um, they'll be on board for Studio U Cleanse. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They are 100% in. The P30s, the Studio U Cleanse, yeah. they're outside of clinic hours? Well, well, well nine, probably never my hours, hours yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah uh, yes, so the P30s are on a Thursday from 6.30 till 7pm. All right, and yeah. so staff do that voluntarily out of time? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, because it's about, um, you know, before every one of them came on board, it's really about that whole process for me to work out what are their goals, their short-term, their long-term goals, what are their weaknesses that they want to try and turn into strengths and where are the gaps in their knowledge. So for many of them, which is most 
common for nearly every person on this world, public speaking is one that everybody needs support with and practice with. you know, I've done speaking for so long now. It's it's easy for me, but this is where I want my team to come and watch me do a P30, then they do a P30, and it's about that yeah. practicing a new skill and in, in an environment that's really safe. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the, the capacity to have the skill to public speak or to the confidence to do public yeah. speaking is such an amazing strength or an attribute mm. when you're on top of it because it allows you then to be seen as a as a person of influence or an expert in the Absolutely. field is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And for, for me, uh, I went through Toastmasters and, yeah. and that made a magnificent difference. What I've learned over the years is that when you know, in the public speaking situation, is that people are sitting there listening to you to hear what you've got to say. They're not there to judge you. Mm. And in actual fact, people only care about themselves. Yeah. So when you're public speaking and you're all nervous and you're all head up, it's because you're thinking about yourself. Yeah. You're not thinking about who you're speaking to. Mm. And the people sitting there, they they, they feel for you if you feel you're yeah. nervous and you feel nervous. But they're not... They're not judging you and thinking, oh, you're no. an awful person. No. Or, you know, or your, your hair's standing up in the wrong spot <laughs> or look at that, you know, you're a bit pigeon-toed. They're not thinking yeah. that at all. That's your stuff. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and I think just, just more exposure to that, like I did a speaking gig last weekend um, for a group of female entrepreneurs and, and one of my practitioners came with me and, you know, just for her to come with me and see how not just the speaking but you know how we then communicate with you know the 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 host how we communicate with the people in the audience afterwards like that's all really valuable mm-hmm. i think if you can build skills and confidence around anything on that level it's going to be helpful yeah absolutely We've covered um, a lot, and I, I just, it was coming in with one focus. We've got on so many <laughs> we, we could talk. For... Thinking, well, we, we were talking. I was thinking, oh, what am I going to title this one as? I know, because <laughs> there's so much great stuff in yeah. there, and you're really generous in sharing it. So, as um, you know, wanting to lift the industry standards and wanting oh, to help to yes, please. <laughs> really, I mean, I'm so passionate about that. Yeah. I really feel that. I don't want people to think that we're quacks and that we are not doing a good job when we are doing a great job. But yet, if we don't lift the standard of our industry, there's justified reason for people to be thinking we're quacks. You know, we, I mean, this isn't one of my, one of my kind of intake questions with, with my team is, you know, where do they want to go, but also what education do they want to continue to get and it's like okay a bachelor of health science is kind of our you know minimum standard that we want our practitioners to have and, and yeah anything we can do to sort of lift things up a little bit i feel like overseas they do it better than us here when you say overseas mm. you're talking europe talking america i'm talking you... predominantly america i think like after my experience on the chris cressa course the main thing that i've loved coming out of that is that i now have this like team of of women and of course they're all women once again sorry any men um but from all over america that all highly qualified that are really working hard on that integrative medicine um forefront and and i just feel that maybe we're not doing it as well as they are there 
they, they have a different education process yeah. where they sit. And I remember, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Kerry Bowen was saying that the difference between Australian naturopaths and the American naturopaths is that they, the American naturopaths, their education, they almost sit between our naturopaths mm, and MD. GPs, mm. MD. So their educations are sort of a, a bit more that way inclined. But I do question whether when we go to that extreme, whether we lose a lot of the energetic medicine. Yeah. Whether we lose that because they don't learn that side of things and that's yeah. not a focus area. So you know, I, when I went through, it's not all about me, but when I went through, um, we didn't have degrees even it was yeah. that, that far back. And it was very much about energetic mm. medicine. And I wonder whether we question whether we lose some of that yeah like we need to kind of combine the best of the empirical knowledge with the best of what science is now showing us and i think having that um the best of everything is what it's all about you know and patients actually often ask that question they think that you can't do both or that we would be against you know i had a a patient here yesterday about oh well oh well i won't take that medication it's for my blood pressure i'm like well why not your blood pressure's high we need to get it down let's take it while we're doing all the diet and lifestyle like you can meld the best of everything so i don't think it's a a this or that it's the best of everything i agree it's very polarizing um you know people either seem to really love natural medicine or they think it's rubbish Mm. and people can get quite emotional and and head up about it as well but i don't think there's need for that and i think with with media and exposure we're going to be able to you know start planting seeds for mm. people to you know be a little bit more aware and awake to the benefits yeah so in the grand scope of lifting the standard of the industry have you got any advice for practitioners just from where you've been experienced you know some if someone said oh you know what's 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 your big key thing what's what's your word of advice for people mm. uh, for me it would definitely be keep learning you never know all you need to know. And the amount of courses I've done, you know, whether it's business course, whether it's a speaking, learn how to do speaking, whatever it is, keep learning. Um, and the other thing is find a mentor or two that you can really work with and have that experience with because I feel like it just like just leaps you up in confidence and knowledge um, and it's well worth um, it, it's so well worth it yeah yeah never stop learning and get yourself a good mentor thank you so much Emma I've really enjoyed today pleasure thank, thank you for having me so much too it's lovely <laughs> thank you for listening to the Metagenics best practice podcast find us on iTunes and leave a review Join our Practitioner-Only Metagenics Facebook group to be informed of new podcast releases, keep up to date with key industry updates and more. Visit metagenics.com.au to find useful links and resources relating to this podcast and sign up to our e-newsletter.